Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. A Letter to the King. Content warning for death in an elevator. Darling, please, I really have to write this. You're nibbling. Here, take my glass. I'll have another when I'm done. You're wicked. Just a minute. <clears throat> a letter for His Majesty the King, penned by his humble servant, Jordan de Valois. Most excellent, most mighty, most dread, Majesty, it is with the utmost regret that I find myself addressing your esteemed personage on a most serious matter. No doubt you've heard of the recent tragedy that has befallen, <laughs> befallen Castle Craigbow. As your majesty has appointed me administrator of this noble estate, it falls upon, <laughs> falls upon my shoulders to inform you of what has occurred before unsavory rumors should find your ears. My appointment to this ancient rock makes me overseer for the various arts performed in the castle. It is I who ensures the blacksmith's stove never goes out, nor that the potter should ever want for clay. You have most wisely made me chieftain of these arts, so that the Honorable Earl, whom I serve, may be free to pursue his royal interests. I couldn't think of a fairer division of labor. I sweat in the quarry, measuring the veins of stone, and his lordship visits the vineyard, where his royal tongue measures the quality of grapes. I visit the port to watch the loading of our precious cargo, on which the entire county relies. Our earl's interest in port lay entirely within the bottle. This is, of course, right and proper, and I don't have anything bad to say about this at all. At least, nothing I would write down. Thus, when the earl was struck by his most unusual idea, it fell upon my shoulders to assist him. You see, and I am trembling with humility as I write this, for it pains me to share a conversation I had with my lord in private. His lordship had a habit of meeting persons late at night, persons who are not his lady wife, your sister. I would never presume about the purpose of these meetings, but your noble sister was justly upset about the secrecy in which the Earl would traipse about. She approached me many times, seeking counsel, asking me to persuade the Earl to cease these moonlit hobbies. But I'm afraid I wasn't able to sway him. Neither I, nor the priests, nor his noble friends could do anything to keep him from stomping down to the private rooms and private persons where he would well, I would never speak out of turn, but for a castle made of stone, the walls are very thin. Enough was enough. Your noble sister swore in front of the entire court that if she so much as heard the footsteps of someone moving about the castle at night one more time, she would demand your intervention. She said, what was it? I will go full vandal on this petty Rome. Wit and beauty. 
Their bedchambers are at the top of Craigbo's tallest tower. His above, hers just below. And she promised that if a single step echoed down the stairs, she would have your army here within a day. Thus, it came to me, the Earl demanded, to invent a way for him to cross between floors without a footstep being heard. And if I failed, he would hang me for disobedience. Your Majesty, please imagine the position this put me in. I would never dream of disobeying my noble liege, nor would I ever wish to betray your lady sister's trust. But after many nights of worry and contemplation and the Earl hitting me with his staff, I built it. Forgive me, but the challenge was too divine. I was inspired by watching the mason's crane timbers up the south wall, which was damaged by the Saxon filth last spring. By the clever use of a rope mounted against a greased wheel, they are able to pull objects of a great weight up several stories in the air as if they were light as a feather. One of the masons working atop the wall needed a refreshment, so his fellow down below placed a mug of wine on a beam and hoisted it up. When I saw that slushing drink, I thought of the Earl, the Honorable Earl's request, at once. I explained my idea to his lordship. I showed him the folk at work, which was difficult, for he hates looking at the poor. Uh, he had some input on the subject. We wouldn't sit in a harness like some piece of timber. So the device had to accommodate someone standing, noble and tall. The Earl wished for privacy in his travels, so a closed box was chosen as the vehicle for lifting. We argued at length about the presence of music in the box. He thought there should be a way for a bard to play light, pleasant, and forgettable music as he moved between floors. I don't know where he got the idea. This may be the source of where our troubles began. Spare no expense to play me that music, damn it, my noble liege said. Use the cheapest rope and timber you can find. I think he wanted the music to cover his tracks, so to speak, so that the lady couldn't hear his footsteps approaching the device. I explained to the Earl most fervently, most ardently, that no expense should be cut while preparing the project. Especially if only his lordship would be using it. But his majesty insisted that I wasn't trying hard enough, that if I put my mind to it, we could complete the project in half the time budget I had outlined. I counseled your lady sister about the dangers too, but the Earl had long since abandoned listening to her. We stayed up quite late discussing the danger, and other matters. She is a most fascinating person. There was nothing that could assuage him from this goal. He wouldn't even let us test it, because it was his right to be the first one to write it. He just shouted, first, first, over and over again. My majesty, perhaps you can see where this is going. Construction was complete. The men on the craning wheel hoisted the box up in the air, nearly 70 feet, to the Earl's bedroom window. Into the box he went, creaking as he stepped in, the men's muscles straining to ease the thin rope they were given. Slowly, 
Slowly, they tried to guide the rope down to the bottom floor, where the Earl's favorite uh, companion was waiting. Uh, and they hadn't eaten all day. The poor Masons. Please don't blame them. The Earl believed one worked harder on an empty stomach. They tugged and tugged, but the creak of the wood signaled to all of us that something was wrong. And then, snap, a devil must have danced upon the rope for it split in two, and the Earl came plummeting down to earth. The box didn't break, but uh, sadly, the Earl did. The bard grabbed onto the top rope just in time, at least. I pray this account has cleared up any confusion as to what occurred this day. There are most fallible rumors that somehow your lady's sister tampered with the rope before the Earl stepped. The idea is laughable. Her ladyship was standing right next to me as we watched the Earl depart. Just as she stands with me now, verifying most ardently to the truth of what I write. You can understand our predicament, of course. This castle is now in need of a lord. And the lady here is so... Well, she sees the potential of this device. She begs you to let me stay on so that I might perfect its design. We've become rather close in her time of grief. And if she would stop nibbling my ear, she would ask that I receive your blessing to potentially uh, court her. I know it's an improper time to ask, but as I am but a humble scholar, only you are able to elevate my status so that I might make things official. Please do consider elevating me, your majesty. I just know we're on the verge of greatness. Assigned, your humble servant, Jordan de Valois. <sighs> mm. Elevate. Pour me another glass, my lady. I have an idea. This episode was written by C.C. McLaughlin. It was recorded by Devin Bohr and produced by Tal Manier. Visit ccmclaughlin.com for links to C.C.'s social media and portfolio. Follow them on whatever website still exists by the time you hear this. You can find me at my email, devinrbohr at gmail.com. And if you'd like to hear more of what I do, you can find me in the sci-fi drama Records from the Reaver as the voice of Officer Zai, and in the paranormal thriller Lifeblood as the voice of Dax Kennedy. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's king.
King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.